Web3 is going to revolutionize the world and the way we do things. So are you going to be a part of it or not? Veritone presents Adventures in AI, the worldwide podcast that dives into the many ways artificial intelligence is shaping our future for the better. I'm your host, Megan Minchev, and this is yet another part of the Metaverse series here on Adventures in AI. Today, I'm speaking with a podcaster himself, Sebastian Rusk. Sebastian's a seasoned podcaster. I mean, this guy's been doing it for nearly 12 years. He hosts multiple podcasts, including The Daily Startup, where he recently featured our own chief marketing officer, Scott Leatherman. And he also hosts another podcast called NFT Suck, if you don't understand. I love that title. Besides being a serial podcaster, Sebastian helps humans start podcasts and is also the founder of Podcasts Launch Lab. So for fellow podcasters out there looking to start a podcast or even learn more information, Sebastian's your guy. And as I just mentioned, he is into NFTs and that is the main reason why he's here with us today. So let's get to know Sebastian a little bit more, his background and his experience in the NFT and Web3 community. I started my journey as a digital marketer slash storyteller back in 2010. I met a guy by the name of Gary Vaynerchuk and Gary really altered the path that I was on and helped me better understand the power of building my personal brand while simultaneously building my business brand, which was a digital agency that helps people. It was all things social media. I just gotten started. I would wash your car on the weekend if you needed me to, as long as you had a budget. And I I did that and started to establish myself as the go-to within the social media space back in 2010, 2011, wrote my first book, Social Media Sucks, if you don't know what you're doing. And I told that whole story and gave my point of view and my experience and what I've learned from Gary so far. And then fast forward to 2016, I just was not happy with the work that I was doing. So I decided that there's got to be more here. How do I pivot and not have to leave the space? Meaning I don't want to leave the social media world. I just don't want a social media agency. I don't want to do social media work. There's got to be more within that category. And one day a friend called me and said, hey, Sebastian, can you help me start a podcast? And that was it. Things have never been the same since that conversation. I launched the podcast Launch Lab in 2016, went all in full time with it. Didn't do any other work, made a decision that if it's not done up to podcasting, we're not doing it. So that was 2018 and literally have not looked back since. So Sebastian went from social media to podcasting, but where exactly does Web3 fit in here? In the middle of 2021, this whole Web3 thing started to pop off, if you will, and it could be part of the conversation within the digital landscape. One of those individuals was Gary Vaynerchuk. So one of the first successful projects that I became aware of was vFriends. And I have serious FOMO to this day because I did not buy a vFriend for 1700 bucks on launch day, which I totally could because I couldn't figure out how to actually buy the NFT. I didn't understand the digital wallet. I, I had set it all up. And then how do I get crypto? And then why, by the time you get done with all that, now you want 1700 bucks into a digital wallet. I'm buying something with something called ETH and Ethereum and Bitcoin. And I don't really know what's going on. So I literally closed the browser out and I'm mean, still in deep regret to this day of, of doing that. <laughs> Just because I didn't know, but a confused mind will always say no, that's with anything. And I stayed committed to better understanding what was going to happen in this world of Web3. And I'm like, how do I start to dig in? How do I start to dig in? So I started to ask questions. I started to reach out to friends that were getting involved. And then I started to buy NFTs. I'm like, I'm just let me just dive in here because you can't win the race unless you get in the race. I'm mm-hmm. not looking to buy an NFT and flip it and get rich and retire. That'd be cute and everything. But I think that's a you're a complete anomaly if that happens. If you happen to be within the space of being able to buy a board ape for four or five hundred bucks 
when they had first launched, you're part of a very, very small category. But I did want to become a practitioner and not just why are people spending ludicrous amounts of money on a JPEG, but what else does this mean? And, and as Gary continued to preach the conversation about Web3, that Web3 is going to be all about community. He's been preaching community with social media for the past 15 years, but now it's been even more heightened and that everything is moving to the blockchain and how we do life, how we do business, the way that we run an insurance policy, buy a house, buy a car, track things. It's becoming more and more transparent because of what the blockchain has to provide with removing the middleman or the middle person, if you will, from the equation and just making life just that much easier. And as I look back and say, well, what did Web3 do for us? Web3 allowed us to have life become communication, become a little easier and remove a little bit more friction because we didn't have to do animalistic things like take out an envelope, write on it, put a stamp on it and walk to the post office and drop it in a mailbox. <laughs> We had this thing called email, or we had instant messaging, or we had texting, or we had whatever the platform was available. And I think at the same time, Web2 really prepared us for ushering us into the next frontier, which is Web3, because the skeptics of Web2 learned their lesson when they dug their heels in and said, I don't need this for my business or my life. I've never needed it. And then quickly realized that's where all the eyeballs were. They found themselves holding the bag. And I think people are thinking a lot differently now with Web3 and more willing to say, I don't know what this whole Web3 NFT metaverse thing is all about. I just know this is where we're headed and this is where we need to be thinking from a brand point of view. And then also just a, a general life point of view on here. I'm extremely excited about what's to come with Web3. A majority of it is uncertainty. So it's very volatile, especially in the NFT market. And we're in the midst of the time we're recording this episode. We are in the depths of a crypto crash, market crash, correction, whatever you want to call it. So it's interesting to see the different dynamics and how it all works out, regulations and whatnot. And it's funny you brought up MySpace. I was just having a conversation about that yesterday with someone else and being an early adopter. So I was right on there with you. Facebook, when it launched, I think in what, 2004, I was part of that exclusive college community that only sure. it was open to just college kids. Very nostalgic there. It so, really is. Whatever happened to Tom? Right. Tom Anderson. Wow. Where are you? If, if you're out there, <laughs> hit us up. A little walk down memory lane there for you. Next, I asked Sebastian to, in his own words, give a description of NFTs, what they are and why we should care about them. It's my understanding that it's a digital asset. An NFT is just one type of digital asset that one can own. That digital asset is one of one, lives on the blockchain, and is defined by a smart contract that says this person owns this specific NFT or this specific asset on the blockchain. When I really started to understand this, Megan, was when someone gave me a couple of different examples. Like, okay, let's say I come over to your house for a dinner party and I see this painting on the wall and you're an artist and I'm like, holy cow, that's super cool. I want that for my new loft. And you're like, cool. I just got done with it last month and everything's for sale that I create. I'm like, awesome. How much is it? You go, it's 1500 bucks. I go, awesome. I'll Venmo you 1500 bucks. I'll take it off the wall, the dinner party, go home. I'll hang it on my wall. And the transaction's done from offline, from artist to new owner. And then a couple of weeks later, I have a dinner party at my house and I have some friends come over and they're like, holy cow, I love that piece. That's amazing. I'm like, my friend Megan made it and I bought it from her at her dinner party randomly a couple of weeks ago. 
And they said, great. How much did you pay for it? And I said, it was 1500 bucks. I'm like, well, I love it. And I'll give you 2,500 bucks for it. And I'm like, absolutely. Megan's cool and everything, but cash rules the spot, y'all. So I paid 1500. He's giving me 2,500. I'm pocketing a thousand bucks. But the problem is Megan never sees a dollar from that second sale. You only get paid that first time around. NFTs have changed all of that because if Megan's piece of art is now on the blockchain and selling as an NFT, if Sebastian buys it and then resells it to Bob and Cindy and Sally, indefinitely, every time that NFT sells, based on how the smart contract is set up, you get a rip on every sale infinitely based on how the contract is structured. And that really started to make a lot of sense to me. What's happening here is NFTs are allowing the artist to become the focal point. Because if you look at the art world as is, it's ran by galleries and brokers. The artists very rarely are the ones capitalizing on all of the success of what the art they've created. And I think NFTs are, are changing that drastically. Again, is there so many layers to all of this? I think when we back up and say, well, how do we first start and get started in this NFT space? I'll use an example of art. Do you actually like the art? Step one. Step two, do you like the artist? And then what kind of community is around that artist? And then based on you investing in that artist or that JPEG or that sports card or whatever it is, the artist, the team, the project, everyone behind it, do you believe in what's taking place? And then what are the available utilities because you own that specific NFT? But there's a lot of businesses and brands out there hosting their events. There's a lot of businesses and brands where people would love to own that NFT, the ticket NFT to future events, future access, future special sit-down, fireside chats, dinners, one-on-one Zoom conversations with the powers that be, the people they look up to. So I think that this is going to take access and put it on a completely different level as far as how brands and consumers interact with each other. And it's already starting to take place. I mean, we look at Bored Apes and their collaboration with Adidas and what's going to happen you know, within the metaverse and being able to you know, see it from there. Since Sebastian brought up use cases for specific brands, I did want to understand a little bit more from his point of view what he thought they were doing right, or maybe there was something he thinks that they could possibly improve on. There's one example where you look at one of the successful NFT projects to date, Board Apes, and the brand behind it launching their metaverse land feature, and it's still having hiccups. And, and that's a big learning lesson there that we're all still new to all of this and going and figuring this all out. The collaboration with Adidas and Board Apes was absolutely brilliant. But again, another, I, I literally waited all day long for that to happen. It started, it stopped, it waited here, it's there. And then they finally opened it back up and the gas fees were like 700 bucks and transactions, again, were not going through, but you were still paying gas fees and you're not getting the NFT. So I know some people that did get it. So it was definitely a successful collaboration and launch with Board Apes and Adidas. I think that Adidas has always been forward looking when it comes to technology. And I think that they're going to have a very, very active presence or already do in Web3 and also in the metaverse. I firmly believe that you know, you're going to be able to go attend a party at Snoop Dogg's house in the metaverse, rocking a pair of shell-toed metaverse Adidas that are the next new pair that are coming out that are very hard to be able to get. And if you're a holder, you're now in the raffle to actually buy the physical pair when they do come out. I think those have been two of the most recognized mm-hmm. ways of being active in the metaverse. You know, Snoop is all in with the metaverse too. He sees oh, yeah. the value. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and with him buying Death Row Records, 
Mm. and really restructuring and redefining how the music business is done is just going to revolutionize that whole world too. Because imagine your favorite artist album dropping and you can buy the album via an NFT and that includes a private performance in the metaverse uh, for just holders. So we all know you win some, you lose some, and you got to fail to succeed, which is what a lot of companies and people are doing with NFTs and Web3. It's just a big learning curve. On the flip side, though, I wanted to know what Sebastian thinks is the real future promise for companies like Adidas and Bored Apes. You know, I think the future promise for these companies is that they're going to have a strong advantage to their competition if they can adapt a Web3 strategy that really hones in on providing, number one, building their community even more, but maybe even a community within their existing community that's also going to benefit by having specific access and benefits based on the Web3 strategy they put together. And I don't know what that looks like yet. I still think we're too early to the game to say, what can Tropicana do for their NFT? Is it free orange juice forever? Or and I think it's just too early to tell mm-hmm. what, you know, what, but I do know that there are being solutions created and brands are very eager to get in the game. But I think that the ones that are going to adopt the earliest and figure this out are going to win first. What about any other underlying technology that the companies could use? Do you think there is any? The blockchain is going to continue to reveal new opportunities for brands and businesses to figure out what can be built on top of that platform to be able to make life and business and the solution or product that they provide just that much easier. So it's kind of a time will tell thing for me because number one, I don't know what's going to happen. And I hate to predict the future, but if I had to guess, I would say it's figuring out what your thing is with Web3 and your Mm -hmm. brand and how you guys can double down and and go all in with it. I did want to switch gears here and also dive into how creators and consumers should do their due diligence to avoid scams and any rug pulls. You know, I mean, don't get involved with a brand or a community or a leader of a specific community that's not clearly doxed. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a new term, dox. Like you've been able to go and search and do your due diligence on these people, project, et cetera, and understand exactly what they're doing, what they're behind, what they're all about. Do they go by their actual name? Can you actually talk and see them? Can you communicate with them? Like this whole idea that Web3 is this whole new version of the dark web is the furthest from reality and where it's at. These are still people and businesses and brands trying to create solutions on here. But at the same time, just as with anything, even in every superhero movie, it's, you know, we got good versus bad. You've always got with yeah. as much good as Web3 is providing. Unfortunately, there's people out there that are out to target and cause harm. And the only way to prevent yourself from falling victim to all that is not investing or getting involved with projects that you don't understand who's actually behind those projects and why they're doing what they're doing. What is the community doing? How have they shown up for you? What has been your experience? Why do you believe in what they're doing? And really going in and doing a, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a full-blown background check before getting involved with what you're doing. And then when we look at that, well, I just want to get started, especially I just want to start buying some crypto. How do I do all that? 
Well, first things first is to educate yourself, get on YouTube and start saying, how do I set up a digital wallet on MetaMask? How do I buy some Bitcoin? How do I, and starting with the 101 stuff and going through and buying some crypto and then setting up a digital wallet and understanding the power and importance behind your seed phrase of your digital wallet. And for those of you that don't know what that is, when you have a digital wallet, you have a seed phrase, it's like, I don't know, 12 or 18 random words. And that seed phrase is the only way that you can ever access your digital wallet in the event you lose your password. So there's no password recovery. You're not going to call MetaMask. You're not going to call, you, you have this seed phrase and it's very important. I learned the hard way. I was in a discord and I was verifying my account and it popped up and it said, what's your seed phrase? And I gladly typed it in. Thank God there was only 80 bucks in my wallet, but it could have been a lot worse and never, ever, ever give your seed phrase away. So the bank's safety deposit box is probably one of your best bets on there because it's yeah. always, when it comes to buying NFTs, who's behind it? And are these people doxxed? Have you been able to get in there and figure out what they are, what they're all about, what their background is, what the community is saying all about them? What does their Discord say? No one will ever DM you anything special. No one will ever DM you any, you've won this or we want to give you that. That's never going to happen via direct message. I turn my direct messages off on Discord, but on Instagram or anywhere else. So using just, dare I say, common sense, but it's not that common these days with Web3 being so new. Since NFTs minting can create a significant impact on a company's carbon footprint, I asked Sebastian if he was concerned or if he heard any issues from creators or owners of them being concerned when it comes to minting large libraries at scale. Well, I think that, you know, until this whole Ethereum thing gets resolved, as far as gas fees are concerned, and I'm told that Ethereum 2.0 is going to help with all of that. And then I, you know, I don't understand enough of Bitcoin mining and all of that, but I do know that it does consume resources, energy and fossil fuels and all kinds of crazy things that make my mind melt just thinking about it. And I don't think that brands know enough about Web3 yet to be sitting here going, well, wait a second, this is bad for the environment. I think that they may be aware of that there. And I think that Technology always has a solution built on top of another solution, built on top of another solution that, that solves a problem. And I think that's going to continue to happen with gas fees and making sure that there's sustainable solutions are being created as part of this whole Web3 landscape. When I asked Sebastian to talk about NFTs and when he thinks it's going to hit mass consumer scale with confidence, with confidence, he said two years. Well, because it's, it's already starting to happen. People are already starting to get in the mix and get curious yeah. and set up and buy crypto and buy an NFT and get in the mix and some get lucky and some just are curious. So I think that we spent the last year going, what is this? I don't know what this is. I'm either mm -hmm. interested or I'm not. So we've divided those two categories. Yeah. And then you have, I'm interested in this, but I'm really not interested or I'm not really not interested, but I kind of am. I think it's like a mixed bag of being able to figure out what's going to be next year, but being able to just to remain curious is so important and remain open to what's possible and knowing that Web3 is going to revolutionize the world and the way we do things. So are you going to be a part of it or not? Mic drop. Really? <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, what do you think is going to be the next big trend for NFTs? Because right now we're seeing these massive devaluations on early assets, like the first tweet by Jack Dorsey or even the board apes, like you mentioned before. So What's the next big trend? What's the next big boom? And do you think it's going to have longer legs? Yeah, I think it is. I think the next big boom is going to, I think photographers in my just a mm. prediction, I think photography is going to be able to, to go to the forefront for photographers have always done really well being able to create their vision on what they want to be able to do, sell their work and build a business and brand out of it. But as far as 
what that looks like with Web3, I think it's going to be similar to what's taking place with this whole JPEG wave of NFTs that have started to take place. I also think the hospitality world is going to really wrap their arms around this. If you look at what Gary has done with this sushi restaurant that's not even open yet, Russell's not even open yet. And they sold like 17 million in NFTs, where if you own the NFT, you're allowed to eat at this restaurant. You have to pay for your own sushi, but if you have the NFT, you can eat at this restaurant because you're a members only, if you will, as an NFT holder. You can also lease that NFT to friends and family and people that want to go to the restaurant if you're not actually utilizing it. So I think the hospitality world, specifically restaurants and experiences, are really going to be first in line here next to be able to say, hey, we're launching our NFT do you want in on this specific place? And everybody wants in. Everybody wants to eat the cool place in town. Everybody wants access, especially if in a big city like New York or Miami or LA, any trending places that it's tough to get a, a reservation or a table in. But if you're an NFT holder, it's going to be a whole different ballgame. I also asked Sebastian what he thinks the recent downturn in the market has on NFTs and how long he thinks it's going to last. Oh, I think it, you know, some financial guy reached out to me yesterday. It's a buddy of mine, really versed in the financial market and also crypto. I mean, as much as you possibly can. And he said he doesn't think the bloodbath's even anywhere close to being over with. And it'll probably end top off with Bitcoin dropping to about 13,000. And he put in parentheses, if not a little bit more. So when we look at this whole idea, and it was language beyond my understanding, but it was as soon as Tether crashes, everything else is going to follow suit including Bitcoin going down to 13,000, which when I first learned about it, it was 5,000 a coin. And that was Mm. back in 2016. So a couple of things can happen here. Buy low, sell high, investing 101. So is now a good time to buy? I think now is a good time to chill out and see where this thing is going and see when it's going to start to taper off and when it stays at that number and knows there's no signs based on what you've seen of it continuing to take a nosedive. Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is buy it at whatever it is right now, 30,000 right now, and then ends up dropping another 10, 15,000. And you could have just waited and bought it at that point. Right. So buying the dip, very hard to tell, very hard to tell to buy a dip with the stock market too. So mm-hmm. usually when I was talking to another investor buddy of mine in my networking group, and he's a, just a financial guy, no crypto involved at all, because typically when the stock market goes down, things like gold and crypto and these other assets go up and vice versa. And now they're, everything's going down at the same time. So there is a huge, huge overdue correction taking place right now. And the people that were into the game and rich overnight, the cream is rising to the top here on being able to separate people that are just shown up overnight and gotten involved in this and people that are truly committed to what's happening and willing to buckle themselves in and and ride the wave here. And that's exactly what I've done. I'm not fully vested in crypto or NFTs. I have diversified a little bit to be able to build a portfolio there so that when this thing comes back, and it will, Mm -hmm. um, I've still got some play in the game. Have I had thoughts of let's just liquidate everything right now and run for the freaking hills? Absolutely. (laughs) But I don't want to sit here with this shoulda, coulda, woulda when Bitcoin goes to 100 grand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and plus, you look at what the government is trying to, you know, the president with his executive order, and people are still trying to define what that even really means. But what happens when the government steps in and said, hey, you know, we want to have our name in the hat, or (laughs) we don't even need to have our name in the hat. Our name is going to be in play here when it comes to cryptocurrency and coin, et cetera. So, you know, merging these traditional financial system together with this deregulated system is going to be very, very interesting. But I'm just sitting here with my popcorn waiting to see how it's all going to pan out. So while Sebastian's getting the popcorn ready, I'm asking him, what's your advice for someone trying to learn and grow in the NFT space then? I would say educate yourself. You know, there's mm-hmm. a couple of books out there you can pick up right now, just giving the basics of NFTs. 
There's a plethora of podcasts out there. There's a lot of NFT podcasts popping up all over the place. My friends have a new podcast that's not new. They launched in August and they just hit a million downloads. It's called NFTs for Newbies. And they've done a really good job because their approach is, hey, we're a bunch of newbies hosting the show, a show done by newbies for newbies. And that's exactly what they've done. They actually just rebranded to Web3 and NFTs for newbies, but they're doing a great job with what they're doing. Hello, a million downloads since August is... Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely unbelievable. So that's a great way to start. There's this one podcast called NFT Suck. If you don't understand them, this guy Sebastian Ross hosts. (laughs) Yeah, I think I've heard of him. So yeah, YouTube, books, podcasts, ask questions, vet people, do your research, know who you're getting involved with. We covered a lot in this episode talking about NFTs in the Web3 community, particularly about staying safe in that world making sure that the rug's not being pulled over your eyes, making sure that you're avoiding scams. Biggest thing is to always do your due diligence. This has been another episode of Adventures in AI, the worldwide podcast that dives into artificial intelligence and how it is shaping our future and technologies for the better. This is your host, Megan Minchev, and we'll talk with you next time. 